So the January transfer window has slammed shut. It was a big, big month for loan deals. And as always, we are here to analyse and talk about how well the club's gone in the transfer window, as well as review the, game, the games of the week. I'm here with my co-host, Dan Newton. Hello. And I guess, Dan, we've got to start off with our piss-poor predictions from last week. Yeah, um, as always, they did not go well. Um, I, I think it's definitely we've got more wrong than we've got right this season. Yeah, predicting football matches is, as well as we've said before, this season is just tricky, isn't it? It's, it's really hard to predict what's going to happen from week to week. Yeah, I'm just glad I, I don't bet on football or bet on anything because I, I would not win any money based off these yeah. predictions. Yes, if we provide, a, if you are listening and you are involved in gambling or you like to have a flutter every now and again and you hear us make predictions, do the opposite of what we say because we're obviously not very good. Yeah. But uh, anyway, looking at that, we saw Liverpool beat Tottenham quite comfortably 3 1. Yeah, um, again, I'm just looking back at the highlights now, they, they looked good. Liverpool looked like Liverpool again, you know. Um, yeah. I think Spurs have maybe dropped off a little bit. Obviously, um, Kane went off injured at halftime, I think. Yeah. And that definitely hurts them. You know, it's very easy to see, you know, Tottenham are not the same team about Harry Kane. Yeah. I, you know, as a defensive unit, Tottenham are usually quite good, which is weird to say for a 3 1 defeat. I have to admit, two of the goals came from individual mistakes. Um, Joe Roden for the third goal, he sort of misjudged the flight of the ball which allowed Mane to come in and tap it in and certainly the Lloris was at fault for I believe the first goal where he sort of palmed it out wide as he's, you'd expect a keeper to do but not wide enough and again left the Liverpool player with a simple tap in. Yeah it's definitely like you said the individual errors that cost them you know I think with a Jose Mourinho team that the very minimum you expect them is to be you know organised and very solid and like I said it was maybe just a little bit of inexperience from Rodon obviously it's his first season in the Premier League so yeah I think you got to expect those mistakes to happen yeah I mean, we did see a cracker of a goal uh, from Hoiberg for Spurs which made it 2-1 at the time um, and aside from you know Tottenham have had a bit of a rocky season was going through some patches of superb form and then looking a little out of sorts but you got to say that Hoiberg Hoiberg, apart from I think one game at the beginning of the season, he's, he's probably been Spurs' best signing, and maybe one of the best signings in the Premier League this season. Yeah, I think I think you know he had his was his debut against I think Everton, where the whole Spurs team looked well off it, and you know you started to think, oh, is he going to be a, a bit of a flop for them? But no, like you said, I think he's been arguably, if it wasn't for Harry Kane and Son, he's probably be their player of the season, and yeah, def- definitely um one of the best signings. Yeah, I mean, how unfortunately as a goal scorer, they can't now rely on him because, as we know, Harry Kane is out injured. Um, and got to say, they, Spurs look a little, without him, uh, they do look a little bereft of ideas going forward, don't they? It doesn't help that Deli Alley's not playing, and when he does, if he does, he's not on form, and Gareth Bale isn't performing well at all, is he? No, they definitely they look a, a little bit toothless without him. And like I said, I think yeah. one of the main reasons they brought in Gareth Bale was, I mean, at, probably actually to play up front with Kane and Son, but um, definitely to fill in as sort of that main kind of talisman if Kane was injured and 
Well, I've got to say, he's been terrible, Bale. Been a massive disappointment yeah. this season. You know, I was really excited yeah. to see him back in the Prem, but he just has not performed at all. And um, Vinicius is a backup at best. And yeah, yeah. Spurs is just not the same team without him. But hopefully, I don't. I don't think he's out injured for too long, is he? It's maybe a a month, is what I read. Yeah, I think it's about a month. But I think to miss a player of his quality for Spurs with a big game against Chelsea coming up this week, I think they could be in the. It's it's a big loss at a crucial time, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, obviously different positions, but it's like Liverpool losing Van Dijk. You know, it's it's going to yeah. have a huge impact across the whole team. Yeah. Because not just goal scoring we're talking about, Kane's ability to drop deep and create. I think he's got he's top for assists or up there this or this season, and to do that from playing a striking role was incredible. Yeah, he, he also he works very hard. You know, he, he leads the yeah. press and everything kind of goes through him for Spurs. And like I said, without him, then they don't have someone who can fill that role. No, it would be interesting to see how they get on at uh, this the new look. Chelsea under Thomas Tuchel uh, but we'll get on to that later on the show for now we're going to move on to the other big game that we picked out which was Arsenal versus Manchester United which we both predicted as a United win and it was a nil-nil draw but not a boring nil-nil no again like I said I was just re-watching the highlights like we always do and it looked like it was actually you know a decent game you know some a lot of saves by the goalkeepers a lot of kind of last-ditch blocks and I know there's kind of a lot of people are saying oh all the big games are nil-nils now but as long as it's like an entertaining no no, I don't really mind. You know, if it's yeah. got chances in it, it's fine. But uh, yeah, okay, yeah, I think don't... it's kind of a looking at the result though was kind of a, a poor point for both sides. I think both sides kind of yeah could have done with a win. Yeah, I think both sides, like I say, could have done with the done with the win, but also had chances that the attacks, which again toothless is the word you used earlier, and that's kind of how both teams looked. They were sort of on target but didn't trouble the keeper or they were putting simple chances wide we saw Cavani miss two big chances and the first of which he, he should have definitely scored yeah it was, it was practically an open goal for someone of his experience and quality but yeah yeah and, and that's kind of why he was brought into Man United you think to, to put those chances away and be that kind of experienced you know come and get maybe 15 goals for them but if he's missing those chances then it's going to look pretty bad for him yeah I mean and we look at Arsenal, despite the only taking the point, it's still 10th, but they're now unbeaten in five. So it's probably a better point for them than it was for United. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, Arsenal are on a decent run of form. They've definitely turned it round. And yeah, yeah I just think, you know, if they were going to get top four, they kind of needed to win that game. But definitely, um, they're in no danger of getting relegated, like people were saying. You know, I, I yeah. think maybe sort of seventh for Arsenal. I think I actually think when you look at that squad Arteta's got, it's a lot worse than a lot of the other squads in the league. And yep. if he gets top seven, I think that's really good for them. Yeah, I mean, they're currently sat in 10th on 31 points. They are eight points behind the top four. And they could, I've, they could struggle to break top five, so I'd probably agree with you. Seventh or eighth, I think. I think that's probably realistically where they're looking at considering that Everton, Aston Villa and Spurs all have games in hand on them. Yeah, and and from, you know, my United's perspective, I think if they were going to like be seriously mounting a title challenge, I think they probably had to beat Arsenal. You know, especially after they lost to Sheffield United in the week. 
you know, they needed to kind of bounce back from that with three points and they didn't do that. I still think United will be comfortably in the top four, but I yeah. think, you know, the difference between challenging for a title and top four is kind of grinding out those games, especially against yeah. the teams below you. Yeah. Um, for United now, they're only one point ahead of rivals Liverpool, still three behind Manchester City. City, of course, have a game in hand on the rest of the top four. Um, it's looking a bit close up there again, isn't it? You know, with I guess you'd say with the form that Liverpool were on, a shot, almost a shock win at Spurs. Um, but, you know, Liverpool, Manchester City play each other on Sunday. And do you think that's almost going to be a title deciding game? Or do you think it's just it's too unpredictable? Yeah, I mean, this season, I, I don't think I could call any game a title decider. I think if you go to the last game of the season, I'd still be hesitant to call it that with how many, you know, twists and turns there's been. Um, I do think, you know, if City win that, then I think they're massively favourites to go on and win the title. But yeah. again, I think with this season, who knows what could happen. Um, I think, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I said that I think Man City will go on to win the title because I think they're, you know, the most consistent team in the league now. Um, and I yeah. think, you know, Liverpool have been unlucky and Man United are dropping off like I kind of thought they would. And yeah. I think it, it's still up for grabs, but... Um, yeah, I think Man City are probably favourites right now. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll certainly have be keeping an eye on the Premier League table. We'll have to see how transfers affect the uh, next few weeks of, ga- of gameplay. We'll have to see how that affects. And speaking of transfers, we'll head back to Arsenal as we're going to give you a rundown of the transfers made by all clubs and our thoughts on the Premier League transfer window. So let's start with Arsenal. Um, brought in Omar Rakic, Matt Ryan and Martin Odegaard. Two on loan deals and one on a permanent basis in Omar Rakic. Uh, what did you think of their dealings, including a considerable amount of sales and outgoing loan deals? Do you think Arsenal did good business? Uh, I do, yeah. I think, um, you know, for Arsenal, I think the big part of the transfer windows for this season and probably the next one or two seasons is getting rid of a lot of the deadwood in that squad. I think that's really important for them. And I think that was probably the priority is getting these players off the wage bill. You know, yeah. I think getting rid of Meza Ozil, as much as, you know, I'm a big fan of his and he's a fantastic footballer. If he's not yeah. played in that team, you've got to get rid of him. He's on such your know, huge wages. So I, I yeah. honestly think, you know, it sounds weird, but I think getting rid of Ozil is probably the best thing they did. Yeah, I can see that they also released Socrates and Mustafi went to Schalke as well as uh, Kalasinac going to Schalke as well. I think Mustafi was on a free. So yeah, they've certainly cut out some deadwood and getting. I think they've got rid of the right players who were coming under a lot of fire from fans. Um, Socrates was barely playing and again just sort of a huge chunk of the wage bill. So And a lot of young players going out. William Saliba going out on loan. I think that's an odd one personally. Yeah, I know a lot of Arsenal fans have wanted to see him in the team, but I guess from their perspective, if they're not going to give him his chance, then he has to go out and play football and, you know, to allow him to actually develop to the point where they see him as good enough for Arsenal. So I think, to be honest, Arsenal's outgoings, they've got rid of a lot of deadwood that were on high wages and a lot of younger players have gone out on loan where they're going to develop and get better. So I think overall, it's exactly what Arsenal wanted. Um... In terms of their incomings, I think Omar Rekic is potentially, you know, an exciting, you know, central defender. He's again, he's not ready for the first team. He's going to be in the under twenty three, so 
we'll have to wait yeah. and see how he develops. Matt Ryan's a decent goalkeeper, um, but I wouldn't expect him to do any more than sit on the bench. And no, I, th- I think he's a reliable backup, isn't he? Yeah, because he was, he was solid for Brian for a few years. I don't really know what's gone on there because they seem to have replaced him and not really had any issues. But no, he was yeah. good when I saw him. Yeah. And then Martin Odegaard, we've known he's been a big talent over at Real Madrid. He struggled to get in the Madrid team, had a few loan spells. Don't know how involved he's been at Real Madrid this season, but they're willing to let him go out on loan. You can imagine maybe he was more of a fringe player. So do you think he could be an interesting player for Arsenal? Yeah, I mean, it's always really difficult to break into any Real Madrid side, even if it's one that you know isn't performing as some of the others have. And I think of Odegaard as a, a younger player, it's a great chance for him to go out on loan and get some experience in the Premier League. And I think he definitely fulfills something that Arsenal are missing as a creative player. I know Smith yeah. has come in and, and played really well, but if you can get both of them in the team or at least have you know rotate them and have two good players in that position, I think that's great for Arsenal. And it's good for Odegaard's personal development as well. Yeah. Yeah, well, again, we'll wait to see how that affects the Arsenal squad. We have seen um, Odegaard on the pitch for a few minutes and I would argue didn't wasn't on long enough to really show what he's about, but hopefully we'll see more of him. But we'll now move on to Aston Villa. Only one signing in, and that was Morgan Sanson from Marseille. And then, again, a lot of loan deals out of the club. Um, Morgan Sanson, interesting deal, certainly with for you know a historic European side in Marseille, who again a bit maybe a bit of a sleeping giant. It's not a bad bit of, bit of transfer business there from Villa. No, I think it's a pretty good signing. You know, I think you know you look at the season Villa's had; they're probably a bit wary of bringing in too many players and potentially you know disrupting that team. I think for them, it's about you know keeping the momentum they've got and just going about their business as they are. I think Sanson or Sanson, I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, he would probably come in and either I don't know if he's going to start for them because I think they have got a decent midfield, but definitely he'll be a good player to come off the bench. Yeah, and you know it's an even more interesting deal that we've seen. We're seeing some in odd scenes coming out of Marseille in a similar fashion to. Uh, Sporting in the Portuguese league when a lot of their players left and joined other clubs like Rupert Chisho to Wolves, where there were violent scenes at the training ground three days before their games, three days before a game versus Rennes, so that game had to be postponed. And now Marseille manager Andre Villas Boas has offered his resignation after the club signed a player he didn't want. So, do you think that deal has come from players looking to get away from Marseille? Uh yeah, uh, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, if all that's going on, then I definitely understand players wanting to leave. Um, and the manager, you know, wanting to resign. It's you know, it's not what you want to, not the kind of environment you want to be in, especially these days. Um, so yeah, no, that that doesn't sound very good. No, it's it's an odd thing. I think. Do you think looking forward to January, uh, the summer transfer window, rather? Do you think we'll see more people leaving? from Marseille because of it? Yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, I think, like I said, most players don't want to be in that kind of environment. And if they get a chance to move, I'm, I'm sure they'll take it. Yeah. Um, otherwise, for Villa, probably the biggest mover that we saw was Conor Hurahan going on loan to Swansea. You know, it's a player I'd assume that you have a bit of love for, having been an ex-Argyle player. Um, 
he was, I thought he was a reasonable performer for Villa in the Premier League. Yeah, um, uh, like you said, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I watched him, you know, play for Plymouth Argyle in League Two quite a few years ago now, and he was he was definitely one of my favourite players at the time. Um, and you know, he's definitely gone on to do great things since he's left us. Um, I, yeah. I think to be fair, he's done well in the Premier League, but I think he was definitely more of a squad player. And you look at you know Morgan Sanson coming in. Is he is um you know Hurahan really going to get that much football if that player's ahead of him? So I'm not too surprised to see him go back on loan to the Championship. I think he's definitely good for the Championship, but maybe the Prem has just been a little bit of a, a, a too big of a step up for him. Yeah. Well, again, we'll have to see how that one unfolds across the rest of the season. Uh, moving swiftly on, Brighton only bringing in one player in Moises Caicedo from the Ecuadorian Serie A. Uh, a player we believe was linked with United. Yeah, I think he was he was linked with a lot of different um, Premier League clubs. Um, first of all was Man United, and I think Man United fans were quite excited about him. You know, United have tended to recruit a lot for their under-23s over the last kind of, well, the summer, and it looked like they were in January, but um, more on that later on. Um, but yeah, I think he is a good signing. I don't know if he'll quite come into the team right now, but definitely an exciting player that a lot of players were looking at, and I think Brian will be really pleased to have him, if not for now, but for the future. Yeah, I mean, according to online statistics, he plays as a midfielder, 25 appearances and four goals across a year and a half to two years for Independiente del Valle. Um, That's not a bad return. It's just an interesting to see how the step up to the Premier League, how he's going to cope with that. I imagine he's probably going to sit in maybe the youth teams for... Um, for a few months, maybe, maybe until next season, but certainly an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, potentially. I think I think it's one of those where you know Brighton are probably looking at their position in the league and are maybe a bit hesitant to go out and spend an awful lot of money. I mean, one because you know they're Brighton, you know they don't have hundreds of millions they can just throw at players. So I think maybe they're you know potentially building for the future is a signing that's always good for them, whether or not they get relegated you know, he's going to hopefully turn out well. Yeah. And again, as in terms of their outgoings, it's again, a lot of loans for younger players and fringe players. Obviously, Matt Ryan, we know going to Arsenal, but also Glenn Murray going to Nottingham Forest. Yeah. Um, you know, he obviously did brilliantly for Brian over the last few years, but you know, he's getting older. And I think Brian, their style of play has kind of evolved a little bit. I think, past what what kind of player Glenn Murray is you know I don't think he's really got the kind of the pace or maybe you know technical ability that they they look for in a striker nowadays but again you know Glenn Murray's you know a bit of a legend of the the lower leagues I'm sure he'll go on to do good things at Forest yeah yeah you'd hope so Uh, moving on then we've got Burnley again just sort of younger players coming in and loan deals for their sort of under-23s, under-19s and fringe players. Do you think that's going to be the theme for a lot of a lot of teams? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, you know, like, like I sort of said with Burnley, uh, sorry, with Brighton, um, a lot of clubs are maybe a bit, you know, uncomfortable going out and spending a lot of money with all the, you know, uncertainty around, you know, finances. And when you can go out and just get younger players and build for the future, then that's probably preferable because it's not going to cost as much money. 
and it's always a good thing to do you know um regardless of where you are if you can invest in younger players they'll either develop and be able to sell them for a profit or they'll be able to help you get back up the leagues yeah and speaking of absolute development merchants we move on to chelsea who didn't bring anyone in this window which is i don't think is much of a surprise no i mean they spent so much money in the summer and you know changing managers it's always going to be difficult to have a proper recruitment plan for that yeah and we see and again it's very much the same sort of fringe players and young players going out on loan i was a bit surprised to see fikayo tomore tomore allowed to leave arsenal on loan to ac milan chelsea on loan rather yeah i mean i always like to look at him i thought he looked like a very solid player um yeah. maybe fell out of you know f- uh, f- being favorite with lampard and maybe he wanted more football than he was getting and i think ac milan are you know, not quite where they were a couple of years ago, but they're definitely on the up. So actually that could be a good move for him. You know, he gets a lot of first team football and then he either gets to come back and play for Chelsea or he can be part of the kind of the AC Milan rebuild that's going on there. Yeah, I mean, considering that he was in the starting lineup for most of last season where Chelsea had the transfer ban and he was a, he was a, he performed well in a sort of a new look young Chelsea side. And then he sort of, he wasn't in the squad, but there was rumblings with going on with Rudiger. And then Rudiger's back in, and we haven't really seen much of Tamori. Yeah, I think Tamori um, went out on loan before Tuchel took charge as well. So yeah. maybe that's part of it as well. You know, if he'd stayed a little longer, maybe Tuchel would have wanted him back in the team. But you yeah, know, you never know. I think for him, it'll be go out and play as much football as possible and come back in the summer and readdress things. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just find it odd, personally. I think it's an odd, uh, site, uh, odd sale for Chelsea. Yeah, I mean it's only a loan, you know. It's one of those things. You just he needs football. Chelsea don't feel they can give it to him. Like I said, I hope I hope he comes back in the summer and gets in the team because, like I like I said, I agree with you. I think he is a very good player. Yeah. Um, and we move on then to Crystal Palace. One loan signing in Jean-Philippe Mateta from Mainz. And I think this is an interesting signing for Palace because he's averaging a minute, a goal every 114 minutes in the Bundesliga. So he's got 7 and 15 with one assist and then 10 goals and 17 appearances in all competitions. I think that's a good signing for Palace. Uh, potentially yeah i mean i'm gonna be honest I- i'm not gonna pretend to know much about him um I-, I don't i've not seen him play but i'm looking at his goal return and you know the statistics behind him he seems to be what palace need is you know i think i think palace are a decent side but they do kind of miss a proper number nine you know since benteke yeah. completely dropped off over the last couple of years i think yeah. they need a striker and you know if he can turn up and perform i think and, and maybe get like again nine or ten goals for them I think mean, it could be a good signing. Uh, I think they've got an option to buy him as well in the summer. So if it does yeah. work out, then I'm sure they'll make him permanent. Yeah, but certainly he's looked... He's got reasonable stats for his time in the Bundesliga so far. So I guess this could is maybe a signing to look keep an eye on. Yeah, it's one of those where he could you know, go under the radar a little bit and be a really good signing for them. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think you know Palace needs a striker. They've got a striker. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, and uh, Palace also released Max Meyer. Now, um, 
Max Meyer's an interesting one because he was meant to be one of the sort of hot young prospects in the Bundesliga and he never really sort of kicked on, did he? No, he didn't. I think I think Palace was always a bit of a strange move for him. You know, he's was always kind of an exciting, creative player when he was very young. And I think, you know, the way Palace play, they're being so defensively, you know, so organised defensively and kind of putting that part of the game ahead of the attacking stuff. It was a bit of an odd move. You know, if he'd gone to, you know, a different team that likes to play a bit more football, maybe it would have worked out better for him. But, um, you know, it hasn't. But I think he's, he's still only 25. So yeah. I'm sure, you know, he's still got a chance to carve out a good career for him. Yeah. Yeah, maybe a return to the Bundesliga. Yeah, I, th- I think he, I think he might have signed for someone already. Um, I'm not sure. I just want to quickly check because I was but talking Sch- about him going back to Schalke, but yeah. um, it didn't work out. No, he's gone to Köln, I think. FC Köln. Ah, uh, I see. Do, you, do you, he seems to be the first case where of a Bundesliga player really struggling in the Premier League that I can remember. You know, he just. Bundesliga signings recently, anyway, just seems to be struggling in the Premier League at the moment. Yeah, I mean, to be fair for him, I think he was a young player. You know, it was always going to be a bit difficult to make the step up. I don't think he's particularly physical either. I think he's definitely on the lighter weight side. So, again, it's a difficult physical league to break into. And I think, you know, going to sign for a team that's defensive and physical probably didn't help him. Yeah, true. Um, but we'll move on now to Everton. Only one signing for them, which is a loan deal for Josh King from Bournemouth. And I'd assume that's to replace the outgoing Jenk Tosin, who's gone on loan to Besiktas. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, solid signing. You know, decent squad player. We'll get you a couple goals off the bench across the course of a whole season. Don't think yeah. he's going to start or, you know, set the world alight, but a decent option for Everton. Yeah, and I'd imagine with Fulham, we're looking at the same sort of thing. They brought in Josh Meyer on loan from Bordeaux, obviously formerly of Sunderland, um, and we can only assume that is to replace the outgoing Abubakar Kamara up front. Um, some other big movers for Fulham, like Jean-Michel Serri, who never really looked anything like the player they thought they were signing. Yeah, he hasn't really lived up to his potential so far. So, yeah, I mean, Fulham, they've not got the best record for goal scoring in the uh, Premier League. They've scored 17 goals. I think that's the third lowest total. Um, Yeah, I mean, they need a striker. You know, their current ones aren't scoring. Might as well give him a go, I I think. That's kind yeah. of a theme for a lot of the teams that are in the division. They need goals, so they're just taking a punt on a striker. Yeah, I, th- I think that's where Fulham needs fixes because defensively, they're looking a lot better. Um, still not fantastic, but they are looking a lot better. They've got better defensive records than some of the more comfortable mid-table teams. But yeah, as you say, they're not scoring. So bringing in... Maya looks like a reasonable deal for them. Yeah, I think it's a bit like the the one at Palace. You know, it's just they've got to get a striker in. They've obviously assessed this person and thinks they can do a job for them. And it's you know, it's another loan, so it's not exactly like they've wasted you know twenty million pounds on someone if it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and as we move on, maybe it helps helps in some sense for Fulham that t- some teams, bigger teams, aren't making any signings because both Leeds and List- Leicester didn't bring anyone in. But between the two, you'd say probably the most interesting deal would be Damari Gray of Leicester transferring to Bayer Leverkusen for a fee of, I believe, just £2 million. Really that low? I, I didn't see the I fee. Think, I saw he left, but um, I didn't I think it was quite, that low. I think it was quite a low transfer fee. Maybe not as low as £2 million, but... Yeah, actually, I, I haven't seen the fee, so... Um hard to say but if yeah. it is that low that is surprising i thought they would have wanted to get more money for him yeah for who's someone who's quite a talented young player 24 he's it's just interesting isn't it 18 yeah. month contract i mean i think you know this season he's definitely been um surpassed by harvey barnes he's definitely oh, coming in yeah. and performed so i think Maybe he wasn't happy there. Maybe he realizes, you know, he needs to be playing football, and you know, Leicester maybe thought they couldn't stand in his way. Probably yeah. it's worth just getting rid of him than having that disruption in the dressing room. Yeah, it's it's just an interesting because he, he's a talented player. There's no doubt about that, but does never played a lot and was inconsistent. Do you think that he's going to be one of these? exodus of young English players that's now going to go on to perform well in the Bundesliga because we've seen the likes of Ryan Sassignon go over to Hoffenheim and play really well yeah I mean I hope so I always want to see you know young English players do well um, regardless of what league they're playing in uh, so I hope he does um, and definitely he could you know I think he's always looked decent he's maybe lacked a little bit of end product over the seasons but you can say that for a lot of young players so if you can actually yep. get a regular run of games, then who knows what could happen. Yeah. Uh, moving swiftly on, we come to Liverpool, who have uh, finally brought in not one centre-back, but two. Yeah. Um, a little strange that they left it so late. Um, I think, you know, looking at the two deals, definitely the Davis deal. I think they've only played, you know, four million for him. Surprised they didn't do that earlier on to you know give him more game times and address the problem earlier but uh it's good you know they needed two center backs they've got two center backs hopefully it works out for them yeah hopefully it does um the davies deal is an interesting one but equally as interesting is the kabak deal um how are schalke getting on in the bundesliga i know they've they've got one of the worst records in the Bundesliga, I believe, at the moment. They just stayed up last season. And they're currently rock bottom of the Bundesliga on eight points, having conceded 49 goals. Do you think that tells the whole story of what Liverpool are getting there? Or is it just a case of it, it may have been a young, a younger player getting caught up in a poor team? Yeah, I, th- I think it's always difficult to judge individual players when they're playing in a team that is doing so poorly. You know, I, yeah. I'm sure it's not all his fault that, you know, Schalke have, you know, been so poor over the last two years. I, I'm i sure a club like Liverpool wouldn't go out and buy someone who is that bad. So, mm. you know, I, I, I think it could be good. Liverpool just needed a centre-back, you know. Even yeah. if, you know, he plays for one season and then he goes again. 
they needed someone who actually just knows that position, I think. Yeah. I mean, looking at Schalke's this season, they started the season off with an 8-0 loss to Bayern Munich. And then um, followed that up with a 3-1 loss to Werder Bremen. And then Kabak was actually suspended for four games. And then didn't take part in a win until the 9th of January, where they put four past Hoffenheim. And I have to say, looking at the results, they are leaking goals. So I think as a Liverpool fan, that's a bit of a worry. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is a worry, you know. If you could have picked any centre-back to sign for Liverpool, it probably wouldn't have been him. But, like I said, they just need centre-backs. And I'm sure, you know, the recruitment at Liverpool has been really good over the last couple of seasons. And I don't think they'll have made a huge error with him. I hope not anyway. Um, again, I, I've not honestly seen him play. So I can't judge him as an individual. But I think, again, we just have to wait and see. Yeah. And probably the biggest outgoing for Liverpool saw Takumi Minamino go on loan for Southampton. Um, interesting. I, I'm surprised that it's Minamino that Liverpool let go, considering Origi has really looked subpar for a while now. You know, he just scored some fantastic goals, Liverpool and important goals in the derbies in the uh, Champions League final against Barcelona in that. 4-0 win but I just he's just not quite at Liverpool's level I think Minamino fits the system better I'm a little surprised to see him go and the Rigi stay well um, I mean I agree with everything you've just said but Minamino's not really played has he you know the last month or so the front three hasn't been performing and Klopp hasn't really given Minamino any opportunities so I think if he's not going to play him when you know Mane, Salah, Firmino are all playing badly and when is he going to play him, you know? So I think it's probably best for both parties. I think Minamino needs to play football. He goes to a club like Southampton that have been doing well and he can hopefully get some minutes and kind of prove whether or not he can do it in the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be an interesting watch for Liverpool fans to see how Minamino gets on. Um, but we move on to the two Manchester clubs now. Uh, City not making any signings, just a lot of young players going out on loan. Um, the way City are playing that one. You, I, th you think I, so? I thought City would have gone out and got a striker. I think uh, that's, yes. that's kind of the one thing they're missing right now. You know, Aguero's fitness is always questionable. Jesus isn't a 25-30 goal season striker. And I think that's the one thing they need is, you know, I think it was Michael Richards who said, if they sign Diego Costa, they'll win the title. Now, I'm not sure about yeah. that, but I think... If they signed a good striker, then they would definitely win the title. Yeah, I mean, Diego Costa said he did have offer from a top six Premier League team, and I think he can still be approached as he is a free agent. But yeah, because he, he he was released for his contract before the end of the transfer window, so yeah, so, so people can go out and sign him. Not that I expect Man City to. I don't think he fits no. what how they play at all. No, I think he's, he's probably fits in for a more physical side. Um, I mean, as a top six side, I'd probably end up at West Ham. Yeah, the way it is at the moment. Um, but then we look at United, who again, are just a lot of younger players leaving. We also saw Jesse Lingard go on loan to West Ham. Yeah, like you said, a lot, a lot of young players leaving. 
Yeah, as <laughs> a young man, lots of potential with Jesse Lingard. But... <laughs> I actually think that's a good move for Lingard, you know. <clears throat> yeah. He gets to go out, play some football, and kind of... Because has he really had that much football over the last few years? Not really. I know a lot no. of people like to write him off, you know. Didn't he go like over a year without getting a goal or an assist or something like yeah. that? Um, yeah. But no, I think it's a good opportunity for him and hopefully he can uh, perform well and, you know, just get a contract to Man United or at least end up at somewhere like West Ham. I think that would be a, a decent club for him to play at. Yeah, and I don't think it helped him with United bringing in young man Ahmad Diallo from Atalanta. You know, a promising young signing, and I think one for the future. I don't know if we'll see him this season. Um, yeah, um, from what everyone's saying from inside United, you know, I think Solskjaer's really happy with him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe got onto the bench a couple of times this season. You know, they have paid an awful lot of money for him. Um yeah, no, definitely he's going to be in the under-23s for now. But yeah. uh, again, he looks really exciting. I think he scored against Liverpool's under-23s the other day. And uh, yeah, I think he could be a good player. I know a lot of clubs were looking at him. Yeah, he's got um, two goals for United in the Premier League too. So, you know, that's a pretty good return. It's obviously off one game, but he does... Look like an interesting signing. There's a lot of talk around him, so we'll have to see how he does, especially with other young prospects at United like Tahith Chong, Facundo Palestri, Tatum Mengi, all leaving on loan deals. So we'll have to see how uh, Diallo gets on. But now we move on to Newcastle United. Only one deal win, which is Joe Willock from Arsenal, which I think is a good deal for Willock. You know, he's definitely going to get game time at Newcastle. Yeah, um, one of those, like you said, it is a good deal for both pies. You know, he gets to play minutes. Newcastle improve their midfield and add a player who's maybe a bit creative, might go and get some goals for them. I think probably Newcastle would have wanted to do more business because um, they've definitely not played that well this season. Could have improved a lot of areas of their squad, maybe up front yeah. as well. You know, Newcastle are a bit of a mess. and I don't think they're going to go yeah. out and spend a lot of money, are they? No, I think they hit their first win in five, uh, just gone. And, you know, they're still... They are eight points above the relegation zone. You would say they're still in a relegation dogfight, but I, I think they'll be all right in that sense. But, yeah, certainly they're not looking great and will look seems to do well with uh, maintaining possession and selecting the right pass. And he looks like an interesting player, and I think it's one that Newcastle have actually made a good deal for once. Um, Mike Ashley is in the habit of making bad deals when it comes to Newcastle, so if he makes a deal at all. So yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, like I said at the start of the season, I think Newcastle are a bit too boring to go down. You know, they get enough nil-nils that they'll stay up. Um, yeah, yeah. I think without a lot more investment off the pitch, they're only really going to be a, a lower half team for a while, I think. Yeah. Uh, we move on then to another team, rock bottom of the Premier League, Sheffield United not making a single signing. Again, just young players going out on loan. Do you think that, is that a sign of just a really bad window for Sheffield United or is it just because perhaps the funds weren't there? Because you, you'd argue that a team with the worst start in Premier League history, two wins and 17 losses, 
Uh, they've conceded 34 goals, only scored 12 from eight points. To not sign anyone to try and get them out of there, it's. I think that's really odd from Sheffield United. Yeah, but I, I think it's that's what Sheffield United are right now. You know, they're definitely punching above their weight by being in the Premier League, and I I just don't think they have the financial stuff off the pitch to go out and spend a lot of money to get players in. Definitely with you know COVID and everything, it's more uncertain than ever. They don't know when they're gonna have money coming back in. They're probably already relegated, so they probably don't want to risk wasting a lot of money. Um, yeah. That said, they've definitely looked better the last couple of games. Obviously, got an incredible win against Man United. You know, that's. I, I mean, I don't think they'll stay up, but they definitely will give themselves a better chance if they can get more results like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting with United, Sheffield United. Um, I did expect to see another striker coming in, at least. Because defensively, Sheffield United can be quite good. But certainly in terms of scoring goals, it's not happening for them, is it? No, it's not. And I, I agree. I think they should have got a striker. But I just, I think the money just wasn't there for them. Mm. Mm. Yeah, again, I'd ha- have to agree with that. The money's the issue, I think, for a team like Sheffield United. Yeah, I'm sure in an ideal world, they would have gone out and got a couple of players. But like I said... I don't think they have the money and definitely not in a season like this. Yeah. Uh, We move on to Southampton now. We've already talked about Minamino um, and how he's going to... But in terms of their outgoing deals, saw Shane Long leave on loan to Bournemouth. I can only assume to fill the gap left by Josh King. Um, Otherwise, they didn't get up to much either, did they? No. um, I don't think they really need to either. You know, I think they've got a, a solid squad and it's, yeah, I think at the level of South, Southampton at right now, it's always difficult to go out and get players because the players that are going to come in and really improve your team are probably out of your price range. And other than that, you know, you could just fill up the squad. But I think they've got a decent squad already. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So we'll move quickly on to Tottenham Hotspur, who not content with just sacking... Mauricio Pochettino, they've also sold his son, Mauricio Pochettino. <laughs> in in a long list of just young players going out on loan. Um aside from Paolo Gazzaniga, who's been sent on loan to Elche. Um yeah, young players, Troy Parrott has been allowed to go on loan to Ipswich, he's a promising young player, and you would think that maybe almost with the injury to Harry Kane might have been in and around the first team squad a bit more. Yeah, I, th- I think it's probably a bit too early for him. I think he was... Is he on loan at Millwall, somewhere like that? And I, I don't think yeah. he did particularly great. Um, so I think definitely um, another loan move for him, probably why he's dropped down a division. Um, again, he, he's a young player, he needs to be playing football. And I think yeah. Ipswich is probably a, a decent club for him. Yeah. Having looked at that, we'll now move on to, I think, the in terms of incoming transfers, the biggest busiest team was West Brom who brought in Robert Snodgrass Andy Lonergan and by Diagne OK Yukoslu and Ainsley Maitland-Niles um, three, those last three on loan deals and signs from Big Sam that he's trying to get a squad together that's going to keep keep them in the Premier League yeah um, I mean I think you look at those signings um, I'll be honest I don't know a lot about Diagne 
but I think the rest of them are hard-working, industrious players. Um, yeah. That'll put a shift in for you, and I think that's the kind of player that Big Sam wants. Um, yeah. I don't know why they've signed Lonergan, um, whatever his name is. He's probably league winner, Andy Lonergan. <laughs> yeah, but I, is he just going to sit on the bench? I know, you know, is, is that why he's there, or is he going to be third choice? I, I imagine it's an, it's an experienced pair of hands, as saying it'd be third choice, but also to help coach the other keepers, the younger keepers. Um, I imagine that there's a bit more of the coaching element in that yeah. deal. Isn't he like just 37 or something now? He, yes, he is. It was it was a very odd signing when Liverpool took him on, but it's equally as odd that West Brom have taken him. Yeah, well, Liverpool, it was definitely for um, registration reasons. I would have thought yes. with, with the European competitions. Yes, um, I'd imagine there was some politicking in that transfer. Yeah, it's like, who, who's the one? Man United, they've got one who's been there for ages now. Um, forget his name. But anyway, um, I digress. Uh, I, I actually think it's a decent window for West Brom. Yeah. Uh, needed to get players in. Um, I think Diagne is a striker, isn't he, from Galatasaray? Yes. He scores, yes. Uh, scored 10 goals or something like that. Yeah, I think he's been a reasonable marksman in the Turkish league. Yeah, 11 and 18 looking at that, which I think is decent. You know, again, like a lot of the teams we've talked about, West Brom have needed a goal scorer, and I think yeah. he can do a good job for them. And other than that, I think, again, it's just hard working, big sound players. I'd be yeah. interested to see how Maitland-Niles done because I've I, quite liked him when I've seen him play for Arsenal. I think that's a good deal for West Brom. I'm a little surprised to see that Arsenal let him go because he's, he's hard-working and he's versatile. Um, I don't know if those signings are going to help West Brom overcome a nine-point deficit. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think I think they're all good signings or you know decent signings, but I'm not sure it's enough to keep them up. I'm not really no. sure if, if, if it, they really could have done any business that I would think would be enough to keep them up. I think they look pretty far off it compared to a lot of other teams. Mm. I think that I, I just, on a bit of a tangent, I think the bottom three at the moment is probably the, what we're looking at for the end of the season. I don't see that changing. Yeah, neither do I. So, with a bit of a nail in the coffin for West Brom, despite a busy transfer window, we'll move on to West Ham who, probably the biggest signing, not Lingard, the young, talented prospect, <laughs> is the uh, making the loan deal for Saif Ben Rama permanent. Yeah, um, I think that's pretty decent. Uh, I don't think he's maybe done as well as some players or some fans might have hoped, but he's definitely been a decent player for West Ham. Yes. And again, you know, I think a good permanent signing. Yeah, um, you know, of the signings they brought in, you have to, he's not been set the world alight, but he's been a competent performer, um, and he has contributed quite well to the team. Um, I think that, actually, while that's a good deal, I think the best deal for West Ham was getting rid of Sebastian Haller. Yeah, I, I think they got a, a... Did they get a decent fee for him, or am I, am I thinking of someone else? But definitely, I think just getting him off off the team was uh, a good move. Yeah, it's, it's about Haller was not. He didn't look like he really wanted to be there, did he? No, I mean, he, I mean, he scored some good goals. Um, you know, I know that overhead kick a couple of probably months ago now. Yeah, it was a great goal, but 
he just never looked really up for it. Um, he he reminded me of Balotelli with with less sort of less desire. Yeah, or he, he looked like a like an Andy Carroll with slightly more technical ability, but yeah. still not enough. Um, looking at this, I think they've got about twenty million for him from Ajax, which I think is I know it's less than they paid for him, but I think getting twenty million is really decent. Yeah. Yeah, otherwise, as we said, West uh, West Brom took Robert Snodgrass off their hands. I, I think there's a bit of controversy surrounding that deal, which um, I think has been sorted now. Yeah, but, uh, I, I've, I've not seen that, to be honest, so I'm, I'll be out of the loop for that. Otherwise, I think the most notable out for West Ham was Winston Reid being sent on loan to Brentford. Um he was, a, he was a solid defender for West Ham, and he completely fell off the face of the earth. I don't quite know what happened to him. Yeah, I mean, he's just not really played for them for a, a season or two now, has he? So, probably a good mm. move just to get him off the wage bill. But again, like yeah. I said, when I saw him play, I always thought he looked decent. But who knows? Uh, like I said, I don't watch every West Ham game, so I'm sure West True. Ham fans will probably tell us that we're wrong. Yeah. Um, and before we try and speculate more we'll move on to the final team in the Premier League Wolverhampton Wanderers uh, who brought in Willian Jose on loan from Real Sociedad um, I can only assume that this is to cover for Raul Jimenez what I was a bit surprised to see is that as they brought in Willian Jose they let Patrick Cutrone go back out on loan I would have thought that maybe Cutrone being a sort of promising young striker they might have tried to keep him on um, that that seems a little bit odd to me. They've brought, you know, put in considerable effort to bring in William Jose for when they had a perfectly good striker already at the club. Yeah, I mean, I don't think um, Catrone's really played that much for them, has he? I think they've definitely favoured um, Fabio Silva as kind of yeah. a replacement for Jimenez. And I think Catrone has been a bit of a disappointment. I don't think he's scored many goals for them at all. Um, so I think for them, it's maybe a, a chance of, well, send them out on loan again. Maybe you can go and get some goals for Valencia. And let's get someone who is a lot more experienced and probably a lot more you know similar to how Raul Jimenez plays, more of like a target man. I don't think Catrone is really that kind of player. Yeah, um, I mean, looking at the record for William Jose so far, he's made 23 appearances in all competitions, scored six goals and one one assist, so I don't think he's going to be returning the same levels that Raul Jimenez was. Um, I can't help but feel that that's a little bit low for a striker. Yeah, I think he is. He's more of a target man. I'm pretty sure. So he's more about you know setting um, players up, and you know I don't think he's as good as Raul Jimenez. You know Raul Jimenez is a fantastic player. But yeah, I just think they need someone who's can kind of help link up the play because I think Wolves had a very poor season overall. And yeah. I think they just need to get back to playing their system because, again, Fabio Silva, as talented a player as he might be, he is definitely not a target man. No. No, perhaps him and Cutrone were similar players that they want the ball to feed to be able to dribble at people. But you know, if they're played in a two up front with someone like Jose, then perhaps that's when you see the best of them. But again, as we say, that's not quite Wolves' style, is it? Yeah, no. I, and again, I think... The Wolves, they just had a really poor season. They've been really disappointing. So I think they just need to get back to basics a little bit. Yeah, 
yeah, I'd have to agree with that. But there we are at the end of the Premier League transfers. If you're following us on Twitter, do let us know what you thought of your team's transfer window. Any big transfers we missed out? And if you're not following us on Twitter, you can find our Twitter handle in the description of this podcast. Um, before we move on, I just wanted to ask, you know, who do you think's had kind of the best and the worst transfer window out of all those clubs? Yeah, it's, you know, we're always interested to hear what you guys have to say. And, you know, I think personally... I'd have to go for, in terms of filling the gap they need for, is probably Liverpool in terms of doing what they needed to do, in terms of the in-deals, but in terms of the overall window, I think I'd actually have to go for Arsenal. I think Arsenal probably had the best window. Yeah. um, Firstly, I would still go with Liverpool. I think, you know, they just, they needed centre-backs and they've got that. I don't really think there's much more they could have done in, outside of buying like a, a world-class player, but I just don't think that was available to them. Um, yes. Yeah, no, I think Arsenal have done really well, but for me, I, I'd probably yeah. go Liverpool as the best. Yeah, I would have... I would put Liverpool second. I, I still think in terms of not only bringing in a couple of players, but balancing the squad and sort of sorting out the harmony within the squad by removing and selling certain players... I think that's just as important as maybe filling the odd position that you need. So I think I've got to go for Arsenal as the transfer window winners. So again this week we've got midweek games and weekend games. And as always we've picked out our marquee matches. Uh, The first one is on Thursday evening. We've got Tottenham taking on Chelsea. And this could potentially be one-way traffic I think. Yeah, uh, Tottenham definitely have dropped off over the last couple of months um or weeks rather than months you know i'll be honest they've not been that bad um and you know missing kane as well is definitely gonna hurt him two shells yeah. come in for chelsea they haven't you know had a huge improvement so far but um maybe they could get that that bounce and it'll be a really good opportunity for them to start off well for him yeah i mean i'd have to agree i think two shells is taking hold of two games so far and he's got a draw on the win the worry for Tuchel is that both of his goals in that 2-0 win came from uh, defenders so but as I said that Tottenham don't look nearly as good without Harry Kane so I think I've got to go for a 1-0 win to Chelsea for this one yeah um, I, I think you know Jez Mourinho going back to his old team he'll definitely want to frustrate them and I think he might just get away with a a, a a nil-nil draw. I'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be all hands on deck. Keep him out at any cost, you know. That classic Jose Mourinho style that we yeah. all love. Um, yeah. yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go nil-nil. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a Mourinho style that won Chelsea the title, gave them a fearsome home record, the best home record in the Premier League you know as long as he doesn't lose to the big teams as long as he gets a draw out of it and wins the others he's, he seems to be quite happy yeah and especially like we said with Harry Kane out I think he'll look at that as a good point if they do get it yeah certainly and then we look at the other big game of the week on Sunday Liverpool take on Manchester City we you know I mentioned it earlier that this could be a potential almost title decider um, how do you think this one's going to go? Uh, you know, I think it'll be tight. 
Um, you know, the last game they played, I think, at the Etihad was very close. Was definitely decided by fine margins, and I think it was a draw, wasn't it? I'm right. I'm right in thinking that. I believe so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it'll definitely be tight. But looking at you know Liverpool's injuries, Man City's run of form, I think it's hard to go against Man City here. I yeah. think the, the least they'll get is a draw, but I could see them winning this one nil. I think. Yeah, I think. You know, the last game was a nil-nil draw. It's a rather frustrating nil-nil draw. It's like both teams almost went out, and when City was kind of like, "Uh, oh, we're not playing well. We'll take a draw." Liverpool were like, "Uh, oh, we've got injuries. We're not playing well. We're, we'll take a draw." So, I think, but you saw this resurgent Liverpool side that sort of really wanted to attack Tottenham, and they looked back to their best. And I actually, I think that that is going to cause trouble for Liverpool um, It and that depends entirely if one of the new centre-backs starts because they're going to have to be able to read the game against some, one of the most fearsome attacks in the Premier League and read the game to cover Trent, to cover Robertson depending on which side they play for and cover those gaps in behind them and the wide areas as well as make sure they don't leave the middle of the pitch exposed which is also down to whoever plays in that number six position, be that Wijnaldum, Thiago, maybe they move Fabinho back in. Yeah, they so, might move Henderson up there as well. Yeah, Henderson could go in there as well. So I'm, as a Liverpool fan, again, I hate betting against Liverpool, but I kind of have to, I think this could be 2-1 to City. I think Liverpool, and that would be a lucky one for Liverpool because Manchester City's defence at the moment is dominant. Yeah, I, I think um, kind of similarly, I think it would be one where Man City go out to really make a bit of a statement. And traditionally yeah. we say that, you know, Man City are going to go out and blow you apart 4-5-0. I think the way this City plays, this City side plays now, you know, they're a lot better defensively than they've ever been. And I think yeah. them getting a clean sheet will be their priority. And I think they'll have just enough going forward and maybe a couple errors or a lack of familiarity at the Liverpool defence will give them enough chances to win the game. Yeah, I think, you know, Ben Davies coming up from the Championship. It may... Um, the Championship is an interesting league. It's certainly a highly competitive league. It's highly physical. Um, I'm just a bit concerned, will he be able to make that step up? And, you know, Kabak could potentially be the next in a growing line of Bundesliga players who are struggling in the Premier League, particularly coming from a the worst defence in the Bundesliga. Yeah, I think it'll be a tough afternoon for um, whichever whichever one of them plays if, if you know both of them don't play. But um, yeah, I, I you know I don't think their uh, Liverpool careers will be defined by the Man City game. I think it's it's tough that it's going to be so early for them, which is why I think yeah. Liverpool maybe should have done the deals earlier in the window so they could have a couple yeah. more games to build up for this one. But um, yeah. yeah, it's going to be difficult for them. Yeah, certainly. But as always, we'll be with live with those games and we'll be able to uh, judge our predictions on that. Uh, and as well, let us know what you think of our predictions on Twitter. Are we, are we right? Are we completely ludicrously wrong? Do you interact with us? Uh, but now we are at the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you soon. <laughs>